first, I want to uh, say Pastor Mitch is great, and uh, he talks about growing all the time. And so uh, I'm just thankful to work for somebody that is really, he challenges us, he wants us to grow, and he cares about us. So this is me growing tonight. So I have a little bit of grace for me as I'm up here and I'm growing. So, uh, but I used to say when I was coaching, we'd go to clinics. We'd spend sometimes three days, four days, a weekend at a clinic. We've driven all the way to Alabama, to Auburn, to stay two days at a clinic, come back, and it's just all day, all night, football, 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 what can you learn? And we used to say, just if you could take one thing away from the clinic, just take one thing. So we'd drive nine, ten hours to Auburn, spend three days, drive all the way back, and just if you get one thing, it was worth it. So tonight, if you can get one thing, that's, that's my goal. So, uh, but tonight, I want to talk about what's next for you. And so what's next for you in, in your walk with the Lord? Uh, I don't know exactly what that is. You will have to determine that. But everybody say one. All right, I got have, hold up one. Everybody hold up one. I can guarantee you one thing. Thank you. Y'all participate. It's going to be simple, not easy. All right, that's a phrase I used to use. I still use it all the time. You can ask Ashley. Ashley has heard me talk about this stuff so much from when I was teaching and coaching. She can uh, probably present this better than I can. But it's simple, not easy. And so what is simple? Is there any, somebody, I want somebody to give me the definition of simple, but don't use the word easy. Can anybody give me a definition of simple? Not hard? Uncomplicated. That's a good one. Man, that's really good. So let's talk, let's talk simple. Sports. I'm a sports guy. How many of y'all like sports? All right, a few of you. The rest of you, what are y'all doing, man? So sports. Let's talk football. The game of football, really, really, really simple. Take this ball and get it across this line, you score points. Stop the team from getting the ball across the line, they don't score points. Basketball, take the ball and put it where? In the hoop, you get points. Soccer, get the ball into the goal. All right, so let's, let's move on. Let's, let's go to work. Work is simple, right? Show up on time, do what I'm supposed to do, right? And everything's good. Uh, what about having kids? Simple, right? You, you feed them. You change their diapers and you put them to sleep. Simple, uh, maybe not kids, not so much. Mega sports camp, simple, right? 180 kids dropped off at 9 a.m. We go outside for sports for three hours. We got two snacks, a lunch, crafts, music, games. Really simple, right? Not so much there, but let's talk about what about your relationship with the Lord? It's simple, not easy. So we said simple. All right, not difficult to understand. So this is something I used to stand in front of my players every single day in front before weightlifting. I wouldn't ask them every day, but I ask them all the time. Definition is simple, and I'd give it to them. And none of them, they'd, it's easy. And so we'd go through, and finally they got smart one day, and they said, hey, coach, what is the definition of simple? And I was like, it's eat, uh, uh, let me get back to you. So I, I, had to, I had to look it up. So definition of simple, of humble origin or modest position, constituting a basic element, readily understood or performed, no difficulty understanding. She read, she knew what I was going to say. She read my mind. So what is easy though? So definition of easy, achieved without great effort, presenting few difficulties. That's the one I really like. Free from worries or problems, requiring or indicating little effort, thought or reflection, not difficult to endure or undergo. 
So that's, that's easy. So let's talk about our relationship with God, right? We said it's simple, not easy. So to prove that it is simple, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. All right, the great commandment, I'm going to read it for you for a little bit. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments, right? Simple. Love God with everything you got and love people, right? Love God, love people. Can't get any simpler than that, but it's not easy. Easy would be just love God sometimes, just love my neighbor sometimes, only, only when I feel like it. That, that's convenient, right? That's what easy is. That's, not, that's, that's what easy would be, but what we say is simple. So we also see the Christian walk is very simple. The gospel is very simple. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2, Paul's saying when he came to him, he said, I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters. I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. It can't get any simpler than that, just one thing. And so we can even look at Jesus. Jesus taught in parables. By definition, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson told by Jesus in the Gospels. It wasn't like Jesus was walking around teaching SAT prep. He, was, he wasn't going around asking Jeopardy questions. All right, the, the double whatever, I don't know. I don't watch Jeopardy, sorry. There's a reason I don't watch it. He went around talking and stuff that was easily understood. So sometimes, though, it's just not easy. Sometimes it is. Tonight, that's easy, right? They're up here. Worship was amazing. The presence felt, that's easy stuff, right? You come to church on Sunday, couldn't be any easier. But what about when you're at home and you're in a tough season? Paul said in Romans seven fifteen, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So hear me out for a second. If this is Paul, like Paul is the OG, right? He's the man, and he's writing this like a couple of decades after Jesus' resurrection. This isn't like today, thousands of years later. So this is, you're talking 20 or so years, he's saying I'm struggling. So if Paul is going to struggle, what about us today? All right? And what he says is simple, but what he's saying isn't, we're not going to have an easy cake life. He also says 1 Corinthians 4, 10 through 13. I'm going to read this for you for a second, so bear with me. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. Talking to the Corinthian church. You are honored, and we are dishonored. He says, to this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. These guys are fully committed to spreading the gospel. And they're so fully committed, all that stuff they're talking about, they went through, and they had joy doing it. That's not easy stuff. I don't know about you. If I were going through that, if I was cursed, persecuted, slandered, and became the scum of the earth, I'd have some problems with some people, and I'd get in some trouble. 
I, I, used, I was a teacher for seven years before I came here, and man, let a parent call me up and tell me that Johnny said he turned his stuff in, or Johnny says you're getting on him, you said this, and start fussing at me and watch me go off in a second. I mean, I get, I, I, that made my blood boil. I'd rip into him, all right? But this says right here, we, we count it all as joy, right? It's simple, Love God, love people. And Victory Kids, we got four core values. You can ask all the kids, they know them all. Love God, love people, do your best, have fun, right? And that's, that's what it comes down to. Love God, love people. So he says also, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. So if, every, if everything was unicorns, rainbows, and butterflies, why would, just hear me out, why would we need to stand fast be strong and be brave, right? If everything was handed to you, you didn't have to work for anything, why would I need to be strong? If, if everything was there, was, there was no fear in this world, why would I need to be brave? Right? He tells us right there, be strong, stand fast. Romans 12, 13, uh, ver, Romans 12, verse 13, he said, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Not just help them, be ready. Be ready. So you got to be on the lookout. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself right now because that's something I'm, I still struggle with. But he always, and then he says, always be eager to practice hospitality. Not practice hospitality. Always be eager. So showing God's love to other people, that ain't always easy. The flesh gets in the way. Like I said, tonight in this building, Sunday morning in this building, it's easy to show God's love, right? I'm greeting, giving out coffee. I got one in They got cookies out there. Man, that's easy. I just dropped my kids off. I don't have my kids for an hour and a half. Man, that's easy. I love everybody, all right? I give everybody high fives, all right? But when I leave here and I go home and I got a newborn, I'm potty training a three-year-old, and I got a, a five-year-old that's about to go to kindergarten and get them all to bed. That ain't easy. All right, sometimes I'm like, man, last night I thought I might lose my religion trying to get these kids to bed. Sorry, just playing. I love them. But, so, but use an example, a few weeks ago, it was actually Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day on that Monday. I had a buddy I used to coach with. He just moved into a new house. I'm going to go off on a story for a second. And he needed help moving a fridge in his house. So, I, yeah, I'll come help you, man. That wasn't my first choice. It's not how I wanted to necessarily spend my Memorial Day. And, and, but it says, right, in the Word, it's simple, right? We just read Romans 12, 13. When people are in need, be ready to help. That's, that's very simple. But he got like a 7,000-pound fridge. Like, not 7,000 pounds, but thing was heavy. So understand. And so the Word says, be ready to help when you're in need. But there's nothing in the Bible on how to take this fridge up some stairs. All right, everybody put your thinking caps on. Put them on. All right, I got, I got a couple. The rest of y'all, y'all just go to sleep or something. I'll, I'll talk to my five. They got their thinking caps. So, all right, he's got these stairs. My wife looked them up. They're called winder stairs. Never heard of them. But what this, this is what they do. They go up, and it doesn't have a landing. It turns 90 degrees, keeps going up, turns back another 90 degrees, and keeps going up. And I don't know who builds these new-style homes, but they don't have any care in the world about the people moving furniture because the kitchen was on the second floor. And so we get this fridge. We took the, the rails off. We took everything we did. We had to take the front door down to get the fridge in the house. And so we start. We're ready. This ain't going to be bad. We already did the washer and dryer. The moving company, the moving company told him 
they wouldn't move the fridge. They moved everything else except the fridge. That gives you a little bit of backstory. The mover said, yeah, we won't touch this. So we get it in the house. We get it to the bottom of the stairs. All right, I, I'm at, I, he goes first. I'm at the bottom. We tried the dolly. We tried all sorts of stuff, trying not to nick up the walls. And so at, at one point, we're about five stairs up. We're almost at the first landing. I got my, my left legs up, and the fridge is resting on my leg. And I got my other hand here, and he's trying to maneuver and get the dolly out. That was like five minutes. There's nothing in the Word that tells me how to get a fridge up some winder stairs without dying. And I got th- two kids running around three hours past their nap time. There's, there's nothing easy about that. And it took us about 30 minutes of maneuvering and destroying his walls to get the fridge up there. But we finally got it up there. But like I said, that's not easy. But if, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? If it was easy, we would all do it. If it was easy to be an Olympic athlete, go back to sports, we would all be Olympic athletes. So I'm going to talk about Michael Phelps for a second. Michael Phelps, probably the best Olympic athlete of all time, you could argue. He has 23 gold medals. All right, that's the most ever by any Olympic athlete. He has one of the most, he's, he's retired from the Olympics now, one of the most intense training routines ever. So let's just talk about his training. During his peak training season, he swims about 50 miles a week. That's five to six hours per day. Six days a week, he swims, five to six hours per day. And then on top of that, he goes and works out, lifts weights three times a week, right? Imagine if we treated our spiritual life like he treated his physical life. That's a whole other lesson, talking to myself. All right, if we took the time and, and devoted that to our spiritual walk. So, but let's talk about his diet. So it's, it's rumored that he ate this crazy diet. All right? He later came back and, and, said, and got some things straight. But the rumor back when the Olympics, I think it was 2012, was he ate 12,000 calories per day while he was training. So hear me, I'm going to read to you a little bit. 12,000, like some of us are like, man, I want to try that. That's like, can I sign up and do 12,000 calories? Sign me up. I want to try for 12,000. So all right, he would eat. Three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomato, fried onions, and mayonnaise. Two cups of coffee, five egg omelet, a bowl of grits, three slices of French toast with the powdered sugar, and three chocolate chip pancakes. Mmm, man, yumzilla, and that's just breakfast. Just breakfast, right? Lunch, he eats a pound of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches, with mayo, not on the wheat bread, on the white bread, the good stuff, the ones you can ball up into a ball, get stuck to the roof of your mouth. Man, that's the good stuff, that sunbeam. That's lunch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? With a 1,000 calories of energy drinks, and then dinner, another pound of pasta, a whole pizza, ham and cheese, uh, sorry, just read that, and another 1,000 calories of energy drinks. Now, in 2017, he came out and said, that was a rumor. He, this is, his words were 12,000 calories a day are impossible. It was more like eight to 10,000. So like, and this was when he, when he was still growing and bulking up and uh, later in his career, he was trying to lean down and, and, and cut weight. But just hear me, listen to this. He is so committed to something that only comes around once every four years. He ain't even guaranteed to make it. Understand how the Olympics work. you got to be the best in your country to even make it to the Olympics. So he's devoted his whole life to getting to that point, and that was something that only came around once every four years. 
All right. So now don't get me wrong. He has God, he has a God given gift. And a lot of that was decided at birth. Right. We used to tell our athletes 90% of, you know, all your, your, your ability is decided at birth. That's God given. I can't make Zach six foot five. I can't make Zach run a four, three forty, but he can be a great man. He can be a great student. He can be a great husband, father, etc. All those other things. He have a great character, but I can't, the God-given stuff, I can't get them. Michael Phelps has a God-given talent and ability, but how many people are willing to do what he has to do in order to get the results he gets? Who's willing to say, I'm going to train six days a week, five to six hours per day, eat this crazy diet in order to be the best Olympic athlete of all time? Like I said, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? So simple, not easy. Everybody wants to be the lion, right? This is another one of my coaching things. Everybody wants to be the king of the, jung- king of the jungle, right? Everybody wants to run the jungle, but not a lot of people want to do what it takes to be the king of the jungle. Kind of what we're saying. Not everybody's willing to do what it takes. That's the part where it's not easy. If it were easy to be the husband who loves his wife, like it says in Ephesians 5.25, is Christ loved the church. If it's easy to be a good father... If it was easy to be the parent, it says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates. If it's easy to be the volunteer of the year at the school, right? if it's easy to be completely debt-free with a boss like 401k, we would have a whole lot less problems in this world and everybody would be doing it, right? But it's not easy. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. He also said in John 16, 33, here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So what we see, simple is not easy. They're two different things. So try, as you hear people talk about things, we don't want to confuse and mix them because they're two separate. Easily understood versus no difficulty. So simple is not easy. So we know that being a Christian and our relationship with God is simple, not easy. So what, what's your next step, right? Thank you for asking, Corpus. Corpus wanted to know what his next step was, right? So let's talk about what's that, what is that next step? So we can all, we all know, we all agree that God wants and desires a relationship with us, right? That's what we're created for, all right? He, why would he want to spend eternity with someone he doesn't want a relationship with? I mean, he wants to spend eternity with you, so he wants a relationship with you right now. Psalms 137, 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? They cannot be numbered. Just think about that. Alyssa, God's thoughts for you are precious. They can't even be numbered. That's how much he's infatuated with us. His thoughts about you cannot be numbered. But to have a relationship with him, that takes effort on our part. All right? And effort takes zero talent. All right? Michael Phelps, he's got that God-given talent. But effort, it takes zero. Zero talent and effort. So at times, like we said, this is easy. You coming in tonight, Sunday morning, it's easy to do those things. That, that don't take a whole lot of effort at all. But... Men, we get back from the encounter that we had in March. Coming back after encounter, man, that's easy after just having a fresh revelation, a fresh touch from God and seeking after him. All right, but 
But what about in other seasons of your life where it's more difficult? Like I said, we just had Jackson. He's two weeks old yesterday, I believe, somewhere around there. I got Daniel, who's three, who's potty training. Yeah, I get in trouble because I don't know exactly how old he is. Sorry. Olivia, she's about to start school in kindergarten in the fall. So the first time in five years of our life, we got to get some crumb snatchers up in the morning, get them dressed and ready to go out the door. So me personally, my morning quiet time, that season, it's, it's gone. That's different now, all right? And, I, and y'all that know Daniel trying to potty train and get him ready, that's a whole nother adventure. So, but the norm has changed in my life, all right? And things have, in this season have gotten a little more difficult, all right? So that means I got I to gotta work a little harder, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. So what we do know that God wants a relationship with us, right? He, we know that. But he wants that relationship to constantly be growing, all right? So one thing we say out of all these people in here, everybody's at different stages in their life. They're at different stages in their relationship with God and what that relationship might look like. It's not about where you start. It's about where we finish. So it don't matter if I'm on my face for five hours a day, if I'm on my face for five minutes a day. It's about where am I at a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, all right? Where am I at at the end of this road? So... As we see, some of us, me, we're just trying to steal, Pastor Josh's word, we're just trying to steal time with Jesus. In between a diaper change, in between waking up, in between potty training, we're just trying to steal time when we can. Some of us are in a season where we can get up two hours in the morning and spend some time in the word praying. Some of us aren't in a season where we can do that. So what's next? So no matter where you are, whether you're the person that's hours on their face or just trying to steal some time here and there, Draw closer to God. That's the next step. Draw closer. It says James 4 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. So, what is drawing closer? It might mean more prayer. If I'm only praying once a day, it might mean I need to start praying more throughout the day or increase my prayer time in the morning. It might mean I need to start getting up 10 minutes earlier or going to sleep 10 minutes earlier or staying up 10 minutes later praying, or it might mean I need to start coming to Wednesday or Sunday night prayer here at church. It could be time for you to join a support group or small group. That could be drawing closer. Me and my wife personally, we've been coming here since 2006, but until we finally jumped into a, a couple small group, it wasn't until then that we built relationships that we currently have that have had, kind of molded who we are. It wasn't until that point we took that next step. It might be time to do that. It might be time for you to join the dream team. There's a really tall person in the back who kind of told me Victory Kids has some openings. So if you like folding paper, you like changing diapers, you like teaching the word, you like singing, you like doing anything, we can find a spot in Victory Kids for you. So you can go talk to Pastor Rocky or me, and we'll, we'll figure that out. But for some of us, it might be time to connect with your neighbor. That's me. I'm talking to myself. How many of us have that neighbor... Man, he's the nicest guy. I got a guy who lives two houses down, Rod. That's all I know about him. But every time I ride by, I honk. He waves. Hey, man, what's up? He rides by. He honks. He, hey, how you doing? Man, that's all I know about Rod. I, I, I don't, that's, that's it. That's not me. I got an uncle, man. He, he knows everybody in his neighborhood. He walks into a room. He, he can do everything. And it's, and it's such a good example to see that. I'm like, man, I want to be like that. I want to be the guy who walks around my neighborhood. I know every, I see somebody on the porch. I know everything. I want to be the person. I want to show Jesus to them. So, like I said, I'm a work in progress uh, as well. So, uh, 
it could be time, Pastor Josh talked about last week, time to start mentoring or discipling someone. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us think of ways to motivate. That ain't bring people down, unmotivate, be rude to. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I I can't think of a time this is more applicable than right now. But this isn't always easy. This takes time, effort, patience, and prayer. This means I I might have to stay on the phone for a long time while someone's like bearing their heart and soul, and I'm just like listening for 15 minutes. Like this I, me and my wife, we talk about this. Like, she calls me all the time, and she, she's just telling me about her day, mostly about what Daniel has done, sidetracked. Like, if you don't know my son, love him to death. He's the happiest child in the world, but he's a strong-willed child. Like, dude is still at three years old pulling up the air vents and, like, throwing stuff in there. He took my wife's, like, some of her essential oils and was dumping them in there. Like, dude, uh, he, he went to the bathroom the same day he ate a strawberry. He, he bit into a strawberry and was like, the grossest face, like he ate rotten fish. Oh! 20 minutes later, he comes in there with a bottle. Y'all know what, not potpourri, poopery is? Anybody, y'all, anybody, who's heard of poopery? Mark has, all right. So poopery, you spray it in the, the toilet before you, before you go to the bathroom and make it smell better. He comes in with that little bottle. And he's just like, and we're like, what'd you do? He's like, it's yucky. I'm like, you just tried a strawberry, and you acted like that was the devil, but you're over here in pooperies, just yucky. So, I mean, even we got the banister on the second floor. We'll come up. It'll get, you know, it gets quiet for a little bit, and you're like, man, we had a little bit of peace, but now we're in some trouble, so we got to go find and see what he's doing. He's on the banister on the second floor on the outside, like towering over the steps, like hanging, and, and wants us to come see him. So she just calls me throughout the day to say, let me tell you what your son did. My son, when it is my son, let me tell you what your son did. And I immediately go to Mr. Fix-It mode. Well, you tell, you do, 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 he needs to do this, tell him to do that, I'll come. But that's not what she wants. That's what's easy for me is to say this is what needs to happen. What's not easy is for me just to sit on that phone and have empathy and listen to her and understand what she's going through. All right? It might mean that you need to bring somebody dinner or preaching to myself it's the middle of like a state Carolina game and somebody needed some help doing something, right? We talked Romans 12, 13, be eager to help, be ready, all right? Or someone says, I need some help moving this weekend, but the Panthers are playing at 1 o'clock on Sunday and it's a big game. Hey, can you wait till later or maybe I just won't respond to that text and act like I didn't see it. Y'all all do that and we all know everybody sees the text. Everybody acts like, oh, I didn't see that. Come on now. Y'all ever, yeah. So how do we go about taking this next step? You have to be intentional, all right? Like God is the definition of intentional. If you type in like definition of intentional on Google, it should just come up God, right? Psalms 139.16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. If you just look outside how our body works, how everything works, it's the most intentional thing there ever was. So God wants us to be intentional, all right? But to take that next step, I have to intentionally deprive myself of something, all right? And so 
if I want to deprive, if I want to take that next step, I said intentionally deprive myself of something, that means I might have to deprive myself of sleep in the season I'm in right now to spend more time with God. I might have to say, you know what, I'm only going to get four to five hours of sleep so I can spend some time at night with him and some extra time getting up really early with him. Or I might have to take that Netflix series that I'm watching every night and watch it weekly. Or how about this? You just put it down for a season because I promise it's going to be there in this digital world. And after a season, if you still can't live without, without it, come talk to me because then I was proved wrong because that was me. Like I was so man in the TV when I was teaching, I had to be on duty at 6.45. Ashley will tell you this. I used to get up extra early to watch my DVR shows before school. Like how, how stupid does that sound? But, like, people won't get up early to pray. Like, me included, like, talking to myself. Like, I would get up. If I had to leave my house at 5.45, like, get up 20 minutes early so instead of staying up at midnight to watch a show, I could watch half of it in the morning. Like, that's just stupid. But if I want to draw closer, I have to deprive myself of something. I have to intentionally go about it. But we say sometimes, I don't feel like staying up late. I don't feel like getting up early. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like getting home and, and having to do all this. But thank the Lord we don't have to live off our feelings. Because last night as I was trying to put my kids to bed, like I didn't feel like doing that. Like, he's, dude, like he got up. I showed, I showed uh, Pastor Rocky and Trevor a picture. Like he got out of he came downstairs with a winter vest, wearing it like as a toga or something. He's been hanging out with Levi too much, so I'm just playing, man. And so I'm just playing. And like he, and he kept telling him, like, this ain't how it works. It doesn't work that way. I want my vest. I want my vest. I'm like, fine, go to bed. I don't know how many times he came up and down the stairs, and finally was like, just let me put it on you. And I took a picture, and he went to sleep wearing his vest. I'm like, so, but like, I didn't feel like doing like at that point at 10 o'clock, I want to veg out. I'm, I'm ready to sit down and not think about anything, but you know, thank goodness we don't live based off of our feelings. So we have to make sure we're charging ourselves. Athletes, they charge themselves, they rest, they eat. All right. Here, here's something for you. Are you charging yourself spiritually as much as you charge that phone? Think about it now. Cause that phone I get that low battery warning. What do I do? Hey, you got a cord? Hey, somebody got a port? I got a box. I just need a cord. Has anybody got a cord? Can, can, I, can I borrow some juice? All right, because you, you got a cord in the car. You got a cord at work, and you got a cord beside that bed. And if your bed's upstairs, you got a cord downstairs as well. And some of us even got a portal, portable battery pack in our book bag, so no matter where we are, we can ch- charge that device Preaching to myself, what if we charged ourselves spiritually like we charged that phone? So we said God is intentional in creating us. We have to be intentional in nurturing our relationship with him. So one of the things, I'm blessed to have a lot of godly men pour into me around here. And, uh, and I'm going to steal something that uh, Sean had told me. It was on a praise night. Man, you want an awesome praise night? Go talk to Sean like 15 minutes beforehand. He'll give you something to chew on the entire night. And I was like, man, that was amazing. So he talked to me about spiritual appetite versus physical appetite. Your physical appetite, I skip a meal. You can tell I don't skip a lot of meals. It takes a lot of work to look like this, right? But you skip a meal, man, that appetite grows. That hunger, that hunger gets going, right? And I skip two meals, uh-oh, that's, that stomach's growling. That, thing, that hunger gets even bigger, right? But then I eat, I eat a lot. Think about Thanksgiving lunch. 
and that, that feeling goes away. Ah, oh, that was great, man. Oh. All right, but the spiritual appetite's the exact opposite. You skip a spiritual meal, your appetite decreases. Skip two meals, that's going to decrease even more. You go a day, a week without, without spiritually feeding yourself, that, that appetite, that desire is really shrinking. But on the flip side, when I eat spiritually, when I feed myself, that hunger grows and it starts to grow. So the more I spiritually feed myself, the more it grows. And sometimes you just got to force yourself to do it. Like I said, I don't feel like reading right now at midnight before I go to bed. I got to force myself. And it might be forcing myself for a week. But after that week, that desire is going to grow. It might be getting up earlier, but that desire is going to eventually continue to grow. So 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, Paul is talking to Corinthians church. Like I said, man, he's the OG. So I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. All right? If uh, is another one of my sayings. If you do not my saying, I don't think it was Coach Snyder at Coastal. If you do what you've always done, you get what you've always got, all right? If I think about sports team, if I'm an eight win, if I go eight and eight in the NFL, 500 season, that ain't good enough. If I want to win 12 games the next year, I got to change what I'm doing, all right? If I continue to do the same thing every day, every week, and all I'm doing is winning half my games, but I want to win, win a championship, I got to change my input. Two plus two will always equal four. If I want more, I have to change the input. So if we continue to do what we're doing and you want a different result, that's right. Isn't that the definition of insanity? Continue and do the same thing, expect a different result. So if I'm currently on the milk, but I want that solid food, I got to change what I'm putting in. I got to put more in. If I'm only praying once daily, I got to increase that thing. I got to take more time during my day to seek God. Smith Wigglesworth says he never prays more than five minutes, but he never goes more than five minutes without praying. It's like, man, think about that. If we all walked around like that. If God spoke to me last week, am I still feeding on that today? Is that enough? Am I still going to be feeding on that in a month? How often do I want to hear from God? Do I want to hear from him weekly, daily, month? What, whatever it is, you, you got to figure out what's the output, and you got to change your input to get to it. So the best way to go about this is to have a servant mentality not a slave mentality. We are servants to Christ, not a slave to Christ. A slave, a person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. A servant is one who manages the affairs of another. He's not the owner, but the operator. And he only exercises the power, resources, or responsibilities given him with the interest and the mind of the owner at heart and focus. The servant consented to work for the employer. He, he, he agreed. He, he chose to. A servant in God's household, he stands between the owner and the household. He's in full charge of that household, and he's 100% accountable only to the owner. And this is where I like. He's expected to be faithful with what was entrusted with him because every one of us is entrusted with something, and God expects us to be faithful with that. So I'll wrap up. I know I covered a lot. I'm going to try to bring this thing back full circle. I tend to go all over the place, so apologize. So what we know, we're meant for a relationship with the Lord, and we have to be intentional in seeking him daily. But being intentional is a choice. You choose to be intentional. All right? I have to choose to grow closer. We said nothing ever stays the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, but nothing stays the same. Nothing just sits in neutral. Uh, Coach Snyder used to talk about you sit on a hill. You think you're sitting in neutral, but you're just rolling back. That's in, we used to talk about it with sports, football. That's with work. 
relationships, and it just applies just as good with your spiritual life. You sit in there, you think you're coasting, but all you're doing is you're sliding back. Nothing ever stays the same. So just like it's a choice to grow closer, it's a choice to grow farther away as well. So it's very simple. Think of the fork in the road. Which way am I going to go? What's next? So David said in Psalms 27.4, I love this verse, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. What do you seek the most? Just think, as you leave here, what do you think, think seek the most? So I want to challenge you all. This is my last thing, and Mary can come up here. So I want to challenge you all to be intentional vertically and horizontally. So I want to challenge you to be intentional vertically and horizontally. Vertically, you don't have to wait till January to fast or pray for 21 days. You don't have to wait until Sunday, tomorrow, whenever to increase your daily prayer time. Right? You don't have to wait to increase your quiet, to have a little more quiet time. You don't have to wait to have more Devo time. So I, I challenge you right now, moving forward, whatever that next step is, draw closer. Like James 4, 8, go after him. And then I want to challenge you horizontally. All right? Find your three. And what I mean by find your three, think everybody's got their three people in their life right now who need a relationship with you, and they need Jesus. There's three people. And find your three and pray for those three every day. All right? Communicate with those three. Build a relationship with them, if not daily, weekly. See how you can meet their needs. All right? Pray for them and see how you can serve them. Because imagine if each one of us, all these people in here, had our three. All right? And when you leave, and check me on this. Be accountable to me. Come up, hey, who's your three? Who's your three? And I should be able to tell you who my three people are. Have you prayed for your three today? When's the last time you talked to your three? And in a week, a month, a year, that three could change. You might have somebody on that list, on that list for a long time. But that everybody's got that three. So find your three. That's my challenge to you horizontally. Just be an example of Jesus to them because that's what we're supposed to do.